police in the morning. In the world of make-believe, the price of fame may not be worth the cost of identity. Pop singer Mima Kirigo looks forward to a bright new career when she quits her chart-topping trio to become an actress. When she lands a role in a sexually charged murder mystery, Mima's life begins to fall apart. Reality and hallucinations merge into a terrifying netherworld where innocence is lost and dreams become nightmares. Quickly descending into a dangerous state of paranoid delusions, Mima discovers internet sites describing every intimate detail of her life. Helpless and afraid, she watches as her associates are threatened and killed by a mysterious stalker. In the tradition of great suspense masters, director Satoshi Kon, special advisor Katoshiro Otomo, and Madhouse Studios bring Yoshikazu Takekuchi's thrilling suspense novel to the screen in a tour de force that brings animation to a bold new level. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. We review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but reminisce is a gift. Here we are, week three of Anime Month, and uh, what you heard was the best I could do with reading the back of the DVD case for Perfect Blue from 1997. Let's just dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. Paul, get us started. Alright, let's start with the top first. Alright, number three. I really like the style of this particular anime film. It was more realistic than what you normally see in anime, which made all the murder, simulated rape scenes, and mental anguish that the characters went through seem just that much more horrifying. Plus, there are scenes where you see anime within the anime, and I just thought that was really funny. Number two. I really like the psychological elements of this film. The slow descent into insanity as Mima questions the decisions she's made and her identity as a whole. It was really cool seeing the juxtaposition of like how she is now after quitting being a pop idol and the partly delusions, partly not of her former life. It was definitely an interesting way of doing that. I, I appreciated the style. And number one. The ending of this movie is just fucking brilliant. After all the psychological turmoil and mild schizophrenia that Mima suffered through as her sanity deteriorated, it turned out that the person sending threatening letters to her and killing the photographers and writers of the show she was involved in wasn't actually her or even the creepy stalker guy. Well, it technically was the creepy stalker. But the mastermind behind it all was her manager who had gone insane after seeing Mima throw away the life that she had dreamed for herself to the point where she believed that she was the real Mima, the true untarnished one, and tr- and that the actual one was uh, an imposter trying to ruin her reputation. You see how insane, like, everybody who is involved in the entertainment industry and, like, becomes or is, it's, it was something else. For me, number three. Just like Paul, the style of this film keeps you second-guessing what's really going on and which parts of the movie truly happened, putting you into the shoes of the main character, which is something a lot of movies fail to accomplish. Like It gives you the same feelings and issues of the main character by presenting you with things that you don't know what the fuck is going on. And neither does she. Number two. The sound in this movie is spot-on with music and songs from Mima's past playing a big role and melding perfectly within the scenes of what's going on. Sometimes it's her own music that's being used, and sometimes it's just the background music, but it just is perfect. And not many movies 
hit music in the right way. And seeing as how that's Mima's past life to what she's doing now, music is a big issue in this film, and it does it in the you know best way possible. Number one, the story is intriguing, and it's just well-woven together. I mean, everything leads into everything else, and at the end, you can finally put it all together and be like, wow, I, I, I know what's going on now, and it all makes sense even though it didn't in time. And it's, it's great that nothing is done without purpose or without a reason for it to happen. That's a good point. I feel like, I mean, I haven't seen this one as much as End of Evangelion or the film that we'll be reviewing next week, but I feel like if I were to watch this more, I'd probably like see, more, see things that I didn't see the first couple times. It's just got a lot of layers to it. Which brings us to the bottom three with uh, even more spoilers coming ahead. Yeah. So number three, Mima's lack of understanding of basic internet usage makes this film seem really dated. I know it came out in 1997, but not knowing what a fucking web browser is, come on. At one point, I had to teach a 90-year-old woman how to use the internet on her iPhone, and she had an easier time understanding at least what a web browser was than Mima did. I guess she was never really well-known for her intelligence, so... I guess it's not really a flaw, necessarily. You know, there's nothing in this movie to actually allude to her, like, having, you know, higher concepts of things and how they work. Yeah, she was an interesting character, but probably not the brightest, to say the least. What's the URL? <laughs> Number two. This movie has really awkward transition scenes where you're not sure if, like, what's going on is actually what's going on or if there's... You suddenly stumbled into a random flashback scene. It was... It made it kind of hard to follow. This was mostly at the beginning of the film, and it got better toward the middle and end, but there were times where I'm like, wait, wasn't she just going into her, her apartment? Why is she now outside waving to fans? Like, what the hell is going on? That could have been done a little better. And I, I genuinely liked the way this film would would transition between scenes or, like, juxtapose, like, different times in her life to show the life she had and the life she gave up, the life she was going toward and her regrets or trying to find who she really was. But at times, it was definitely awkward. Yeah, sometimes there was just no lead-up. It was just like, hey, it's suddenly something else. First, we were here. Now we're over here. And number one, so the movie within the movie that this movie was, take, was taking place within this movie was basically the same as the movie that this movie was. I'm all for allusions toward deeper themes in within a film, which this film did do pretty well in certain points, especially when Mima's first line during her acting career was, who are you? It did a good, it reflected her loss of identity as she tried to reinvent herself as an actress as opposed to the pop idol that she was well known for. However, when they start talking about multiple personalities in the film and all this other shit, I'm like, alright, this is a little too forced for me. It wasn't that bad, but it was something that was noticeable. For me, number three. There are a lot of flashbacks in this film that don't have any kind of proper transition, and it leaves you just wondering, oh, weren't we just doing that, and now we're doing this? 
And then it just, you know, goes back to the present, and it's like, hey, you should have some kind of indication that this is a flashback. Like, I can understand when it's, like, the delusions, and you're supposed to not know if she's seeing reality or something that's made up in her mind. But when it's clearly something that she's thinking of that happened in the past, there should be a clearly defined, hey, guys, we're doing a flashback now. Yeah, it was just kind of like... Out of nowhere, like, she'd be in, like, in mid-sentence, and suddenly there's a flashback. Number two. The DVD menu is glitchy, and it really made me think that my DVD was going bad, and I was like, oh no, we can't watch the movie. But it was just the fact that the DVD menu is mimicking the jankiness of early internet usage, and I was like, you motherfuckers, like, why would you do that to me? Like, especially since this DVD, you know, I mean, the movie came out in 97. This DVD came out in 2000, it looks like, according to the box. Fucking, that's still when DVDs were new. Like, how would you feel putting a brand new DVD in? And it's like, wait, no, don't fuck with me like that DVD. That's not fair. And there's really no point in the film where... There, things were getting glitchy, really. I mean, there was... Just the she, fact that she didn't know how to use the internet. Yeah. It, it, it was her... Maybe she, maybe it was an illusion to her lack of ability of, like, using the internet. I, I just... Num, number one. Just like Paul, the movie being filmed within the movie has the same plot line as the movie that you're watching. Now, I, I, I mean, I can't... I, I can't do any more than Paul did. I mean, like he said, that it's one thing to allude to something, but to have the exact same fucking thing going on. I, I just... Uh, are you that poor of a writer that you have to use the same plot line twice to fill space within your movie? Like, the rest of the movie is great. The, the storyline itself, it's fantastic. But why are you going to use it twice within the same movie? Damn it! Yeah, that was... I mean, it wasn't enough to ruin the movie or really, like, have much of an effect. It was just for something that was so good and had so much subtlety and so much, um... It did such a good job of showing somebody going insane. Trying to be to just spell out multiple personalities was kind of lame. And, I mean, I'll admit, this is the third time I've seen this movie. And I just picked up on it this time. I mean, we're... We're telling you about it, so of course you're gonna pick up on it whenever you watch it next. Sorry, but you know it. It only took it took me three times to figure it out that that was what's going on. But I mean, I mean, I watched it when I was in like seventh grade, and then like when I was in college, and now like now. So it was like three times over the course of like twenty years, but you know, or yeah, something like that. All right, uh, let's just move on to... We, we didn't talk about dialogue. Let's have a quote war. Let's, let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. Who are you? We Powertrons will uphold peace of the network. Do you know why the culprit peels the skin off his victims? The milk just has to be cow brand milk? Can't you explain it to me in Japanese? You sure are a weird pizza man. It's not as if I'm really being raped. What happens twice happens thrice. And that ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this film or anything else you'd like to say, leave it in the comments below. 
It's time to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scales are of our scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 1 out of 10. I gave it a 2 out of 10. So Perfect Blue may not be a perfect thriller, but it is one of the best that I've ever seen. The journey of a pop idol's transformation from innocence to actress proves to be very difficult for everyone surrounding Mima, and it's something you must see unfold for yourself. Everything comes together in the end, and the pathway there is full of twists, turns, and dead ends. The music, visuals, characters, and just about everything in this film are done so well, you may forget for a moment that this is a cartoon. It's an anime any psychological thriller fan should check out if given the chance. Perfect Blue is the story of Mima, a Japanese pop idol who decides to quit singing in pursuit of an acting career. But as she attempts to reinvent herself, she begins questioning not only her decisions, but her identity as a whole. It's a story of, of obsession, murder, jealousy, and the struggle for identity. Perfect Blue is a psychological thriller that portrays the corruption and exploitation inherent within the entertainment industry and how far some people will go for fame and fortune, even if it means sacrificing your identity and as well as your sanity along the way. This is not your typical slasher film. It's your critique of sanity itself. There you have it. A 1 out of 10 for me and a 2 out of 10 for Paul. But if you really want to know how to drink away this flick, drink away this flick, come on and grab you a drink. Let's drink away this flick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give some drink names for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time Mima visits Mima's room, take a drink. Number two, every time Mima wakes up, take a drink. Number three, whenever Mima sees the creepy guy, Mimania, take a drink. Number four. Anytime Mima's managers disagree about something, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's anime month. Whenever you see something on screen written in a foreign language, take a drink. Every time someone looks into a mirror or sees their reflection, take a drink. Every time Mima says, who are you, take a drink. Every time someone is stabbed, take a drink. And every time Mima's stalker is drooling or smiling, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the slick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie related, you can leave us a comment on your iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros like us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros, follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros, or on personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all the other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats from our website bmoviebros.com, where we have new shows each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links right up below. We've come to the end of week three here for Anime Month. Let's rank the movies we've seen real quick. For me, number three, Yu Yu Hakusho Poltergeist Report. It just, it did not live up to the standards of the show, and it just, it's just the average forgettable movie. Number two, this was really hard for me, and I, I had to put at number two the end of Evangelion, simply because in order to understand what's going on in the movie, you have to see the entire series beforehand, or else you're just thrown into the middle of a shitstorm and have no idea what's going on. At least with Yu Yu Hakusho, Poltergeist Report, the movie can stand on its own. Like, it's kind of confusing, but you don't really need an explanation. It's just people beating the shit out of each other. Good guys fighting bad guys or something. End of Evangelion, it's a fantastic movie, and it's a wonderful end to a great series. But for me, I just had to put number one, Perfect Blue. It's a great movie, it's fantastic, it's very engaging, it pulls you into the world that it creates, and it stands on its own. You don't need a precursor, 
And after the 80 minutes of the movie, that's it. You don't have to invest a lot of time to get the complete story. That's a good listing. Mine was number three, U-Hawk Show Poltergeist Report. Without all the voice actors I'm used to and the charm of the characters, it's just another typical action shonen movie that doesn't really fit into the canon of the series and is just there to, you know, make money. Number two, Perfect Blue. A fantastic film, great psychological thriller. There's really very little wrong with it, and everything that I could find wrong with it is really nitpicking. But I gotta go, number one, End of Evangelion. Perfect ending for a fantastic series, and I just love watching it. It is one of the most original and unique films I've ever seen, and just shown in such an amazing manner. It's quite an experience. Next week, we'll be ending Anime Month, and we've got a special treat for Paul, because oh, yeah. not only is it a movie from 1988, when Paul, the year Paul was born... The year of the Paul. It's also heralded as one of the best anime features of all time. For very good reasons. We're taking a look at Akira. Until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get over the next one. I'll see you in the room. I'll see you in the room.